Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Chaser Report is recorded on Gadigal land. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and welcome to The Chaser Report. Dom Knight and Charles Firth with a special midterms edition of The Chaser Report looking at the US elections. We're recording this on Thursday morning at about 11 o'clock. We're going to upload it as soon as possible. And our guest to tell us exactly what's happening is Associate Professor Dave Smith of the US Study Centre at Sydney University. Hello, Dave, and welcome back. Good morning. Good to be back. And uh, so, so, yeah, so no so red wave. So where's the red wave? What, what happened? The, yeah. Look, I'm still trying to process the cognitive dissonance of Democrats actually overperforming in something for <laughs> the first time in my life. Even though it looks like Republicans are going to take the House of Representatives and that is consequential, the Senate is still up for grabs. This is a massive underperformance uh, compared to what was expected to happen immediately in the lead up to the election. This looks a lot more like the results we would have expected back in August when the abortion issue and Trump's hearings before the House Select Committee were dominating everything. Mm. Um, over the last few weeks, it really looked like economic issues had come back to, to be the issue that was certainly dominating all of the media coverage and that Republicans had successfully turned it back into a referendum on Biden again, who has very low approval ratings. But instead, this seems to have been much more of a verdict on both Republicans and Democrats with the result that I think this is the smallest pickup by a, an opposition party in a midterm election in the last 20 years. And it's just historically way below the average of what you would expect, let alone what you would expect with the president's approval ratings this low and with uh, the economy as it is. So I don't like the guy in the White House but no confidence that the other team will do any better, basically. So yeah, a pox, I, I pox think, on both their houses. I, I think there's a, quite a simple fact that keeps getting posed as a puzzle by the media, which is, oh, why is it when Biden's approval ratings are historically low that people are not flocking to Republicans? And the answer to that is there are a lot of Democrats who disapprove of Biden's performance. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of independents who also disapprove of Biden's performance who can't vote Republican in this version of the Republican Party. There are even Republicans who disapprove of Biden's performance, but who would not vote uh, for Republicans if Trump was the candidate. So people's assessment of who they would actually vote for is a lot more complicated than the approval ratings for the presidency reflect. Yeah. So US elections often come down to turnout, right? But um, the polls are often a bit misleading because they ask everyone who they're going to vote for, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to spend four hours queuing up. And there aren't even sausages on election day in the US. They just don't know how to do it. So 
Who actually turned up? What does this result reflect? We're still waiting for the breakdown, really, of uh, who turned up. And I think there's going to be a lot of analysis over of that over the few days. But this was a high turnout election. Uh, not only was a high turnout election, there was a huge amount of money spent on this election, $16 billion or $16.7 billion dollars according to Open Secrets, which smashed all previous records for a non-presidential election. So there were very high levels of engagement. In terms of the question of where the polls went wrong, there's a couple of things going on here. One is that poll averages in the last few weeks were dominated by very low-quality partisan-affiliated polls leaning towards the Republican Party, which were predicting that there was a five-point generic lead for Republicans in Congress and that Republicans were poised to win all kinds of races that they ended up losing. That's the first thing. The second thing is that pollsters have been trying to correct for the big misses in 2016 and 2020, where they really underestimated Republican support. And this time around, they might have been using models that were essentially trying to compensate for that underestimation in the past. But it's possible that in 2016 and 2020, they weren't really underestimating Republican support so much as underestimating Trump's support, because Trump really does appeal to the kinds of people who don't like answering the phone uh, to opinion pollsters. So, <laughs> it's the state. They're trying to take my guns. That's right. So it's... It's possible that when Trump is not on the ballot that you don't have that same problem. And so by trying to overcompensate for those pop and misses in 2020 and 2016, some of the polls might have inadvertently actually given Republicans mm. more hope mm. than was warranted. So, but what about Ron DeSantis, though? Like, he's the sort of... Yeah. Everything you just said then doesn't really apply to him, though, does it? Yeah, DeSantis was a huge outlier in all of this. So DeSantis won Florida by 20 points. I think he only won it by one point last time around. And that's a lot more than what the polls were expecting, even though the polls were all expecting him to win. Mm. Republicans did very well in Florida generally. So Marco Rubio did really well in his re-election. But I think DeSantis himself seems to have just generated a huge amount of support. He won the majority of Latinos in Florida, which no Republican has ever done before. He won Miami-Dade County, which no Republican has done in 20 years. So clearly Florida is different. Florida, which used to be the closest fought swing state in yes. every election, yes. has just been getting redder and redder since 2016. Yeah. And a, lo a lot of that, I think, is to do with Trump. I think a lot of it is also to do with DeSantis. Now, in terms of but, the but, but Dave, can I just can I just pick yeah. you up there, which is... Yeah. I remember you coming on this very podcast a few months ago yes. and, and you said, well, don't worry about Ron DeSantis. I'm paraphrasing here because yeah. his culture war stuff works really well for the Republican base, but yeah. it has no broader appeal come election time. Well, we just saw an election where it had broad appeal. I think I was talking about national elections. There And I actually right. stick by my point that if he is the Republican nominee, that stuff is not going to play as well mm. as it has been playing for him so far. So are what you saying that his don't say gay stuff 
won't work in San Francisco. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Possibly. But it's also important to keep in mind that a lot of DeSantis's appeal in Florida is the fact that he kept the state open all the way through the pandemic. Mm. He Schools were open for a lot longer in Florida and the state was open to tourism for a lot longer in Florida. Now, sure, that resulted in a much higher than average death rate in, mm. in Florida, but this he was rewarded very handsomely uh, for that politically in Florida. The people in Florida really seemed to like the way that he handled the pandemic. Once again, that's he freed a lot of people. He yeah. freed a lot of Floridians from their earthly bodies, and they're now <laughs> f- f- freely existing in some other dimension. But I mean, the, the big thing about the the significance of DeSantis winning by so much is there are going to be a lot of Republican donors and media figures and leaders encouraging him to get into the race now. If it had been a big Republican red wave. Trump would have immediately taken credit for it and used that as the launch pad for his 2024 campaign. And DeSantis may well have kept out of the 2024 race because Trump's hold on the party really, uh, you know, seemed to be unchallenged. Now, DeSantis may still decide that actually it's better for him to keep his powder dry in 2024. But I think there are going to be a lot of people trying to push him into the race now because that result seems to indicate that he is a lot more palatable than uh, a Republican Party with Trump as its face. Yeah, you've got to realise, David, that the fact that it wasn't a big red wave isn't mm. Trump's fault. And we've got to actually... Yeah, it is very clear. We've got yeah. the audio of this here, I think. Let's put... Well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit. And if they lose, I should not be blamed at all. Okay. Yeah. If they'd won, it was him. If they yeah. lost, it yeah. wasn't him. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty clear, David. That was not his fault. You yeah. can't hold him to that. No. Yeah. Sorry. I Yes. I'm actually not sure that DeSantis would be a more viable candidate than Trump. Mm. Uh, as popular as DeSantis is in Florida, I don't know how well his stuff mm. is going to play outside yeah. of of Florida, and I don't know how well all of this culture war stuff is going to play. I suspect not so well, but, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people urging him to get into the race. That doesn't mean that he would win a Republican primary. I think Trump is still a lot more popular with the Republican base, and he is just ready to attack DeSantis. He's mm-hmm. already got a nickname for him, uh, DeSanctimonious. Mm. And I think that I saw you you can never trust a screen cap from Truth Social, but I saw a hilarious one during the rounds where he just gently pointed out that he got a lot more votes in 2020 in Florida than DeSantis got this time, kind of ignoring the fact that people turn out far more for a presidential election. Um, So he's clearly rattled by the guy, which is extremely entertaining. Yeah, he really is. I think another reason why a lot of conservative donors and media figures and leaders are going to want DeSantis to get in is because they are constantly embarrassed by Trump Mm. and they have to get behind him, but they don't like having to get behind him when all he can talk about is himself and his grievances Mm. uh, in 2020. They see DeSantis as someone who's a lot more focused on issues, Mm. uh, on the issues that they they care about. And DeSantis has a kind of veneer of social respectability, which they desperately (laughs) want 
and which they don't have when they have to spend all of their time backing Trump. So there are a lot of conservative elites who are going to want DeSantis to get into the race. So it wasn't just the Republicans who had some culture war issues this election, Mm. though, Dave, because uh, slavery was on the ballot in five states. Do you know about this? I was not aware of this. I learn something new every time on this podcast. So Vermont, Tennessee... Oregon, Louisiana and Alabama all had questions about whether slavery <laughs> should be legal or not. Can I read you out some of the, the results? Because um, yes. so in Vermont, 89% of people voted to prohibit slavery, which is quite nice. <laughs> Um, in Tennessee, did the, 11, did, the 11, did the other 11% work for Amazon by any chance? <laughs> no, exactly. Like there were 10% of people, 14,800. And, and in Vermont. In Vermont, voted in favour of slavery. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in Tennessee, it was 79% voted in favour. So there's like 20% of people <laughs> were pro slavery. In Oregon, the vote to abolish slavery was only favoured by 54%. They didn't understand the question. They were stoned. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't believe that's a real figure. I can t- no, no. It, apparently, the question was: Shall we abolish slavery and also attach all these other rights um, that con- annoyed conservatives? So, what the progressives did in in Oregon is they bundled up uh, mm-hmm. a, a, the anti-slavery movement. But so, what's going on? Why? Why? Like, I mean, is this a get out the vote? Oh, oh, oh the other hilarious one is Louisiana actually voted sixty percent no. But the no question, it was phrased in a way that to abolish slavery, you had to vote no, right? Like, oh, like right. The Republicans got in and tried to sort of make, trick everyone into voting in favour of slavery. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, wow. It, like, I presume, I mean, this was, this was mainly to do with um, about paying prisoners. So, I mean, yes. in, in yeah. those states, they don't actually, um, there is no explicit uh, prohibition against slavery. And so it was just to sort of fix that up, but mm. very much then apply it as, as uh, slavery as a sort of punishment, which is what happens mm. in, in a lot of states where uh, prisoners essentially work in chain gangs for free. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, but, but there are sort of culture wars going on on both sides. Is that slave, anti-slavery movement, is that an attempt by the Democrats to get out the vote? Is that part of a mobilisation thing or is it just a sort of, you know, administrative No, thing? no, that is part of a long-standing issue that uh, the Democratic activists have been campaigning about, that if anything, the, the mainstream of the party is very wary of these kinds of issues, right? Of issues <laughs> Slavery. Around, it's too controversial. Well, no, <laughs> of issues around prisoners' rights, yeah, uh, right. You know, they're, they're afraid of being labelled soft on crime. Oh, they, they wouldn't the, want to be soft on slaves. Oh, the no, re- of course not. The reason why they phrase it in terms of anti-slavery is to try to get as much support behind the movement yeah. as possible. Right. If it was framed in terms of prisoners' rights or if it was framed in terms of we should be paying prisoners, yes. Uh, yes. you would have disastrous uh, election <laughs> results. So... No, this is yeah, framing it as anti-slavery. Uh, even though I think that's the correct framing, mm. that's a that's a way of trying to actually get public support behind it when public support is not always behind the rights of prisoners. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. None of the medical advice contained in the Chaser Report should legally be considered medical advice. The Chaser Report. Okay, so just just on Trump again, David. This is this is an interesting one because he was hoping to use the red wave as the um as the sort of pretext to jumping back into the race, but it seems as though a lot of his supporters uh, did very very badly, and particularly um, people running for Secretary of State and things like that. The election deniers did very very badly across the board. I think is this a bit of a chastening for Trump? Or will he simply just ignore it and just go about what he's... I mean, he, we know that he doesn't like actually looking at election results as reality. So he might simply assume that there was a red wave. But you can't prove there wasn't. Get, yeah, rid, look, get rid of Giuliani on it. Yeah, Trump is unchastenable. Okay, so this it all depends on what other Republicans are going to do. And so far, at every turn, when Trump has kept pushing, they have eventually yielded. So this is not going to deter Trump from getting into the race. There are now people desperately pleading with him, don't get into the race until after the Georgia runoff. Um, Mm -hmm. It was reported that Republicans had to talk him down from actually making an announcement on the eve of the election. Instead, he made an announcement that he would make an announcement uh, next week. He said there's going to be a big announcement next week. Everybody knows that that was going to be the announcement of his presidency. And it's going to be pretty hard to persuade him um, not to do that. So, no, he is not going to be chastened. He's not going to see this as there was anything wrong with him or the candidates that he selected. He'll find someone else to blame for that. Republicans actually did try to kind of distance themselves from Trump a bit. There were a lot of Republicans who quietly took down Trump's endorsements from their website, as well as trying to downplay their positions on abortion. So from the perspective of Trump or one of his allies, they'd say, well, the problem was that they didn't embrace Trump, that you know, Trump wasn't visible oh, of course. In, uh, in the campaign. And they had more rallies when Trump's not on the ballot. Um, so, yeah, there's there's no way that Trump and his allies are going to see this as a repudiation. Mm. It's, okay. uh, I yeah. think other Republicans are going to realise that there's a bit of a problem, but they realised that there was a problem after the January 6th riot as well and they did nothing about it. So, yeah, it remains to be seen whether they will stand up to Trump. This is why I think people are going to want... To- DeSantis to get into the race, though, because they they want somebody who can potentially stand up to Trump. And DeSantis, by not saying that he won't run if Trump runs, that's the closest that anyone has actually come Mm. to challenging Trump. And and Trump's threatening him. He's saying he knows more about him than everyone except perhaps his wife, and that he'll release this information if DeSantis runs. So it's already ugly. The, The scenario I'm fascinated about, and I'm going to make a little prediction here, is that Trump mm. runs in the primaries, loses, then doesn't accept the results. And it's entirely mm. within the Republican Party. That would be a fascinating uh, kind of eating itself scenario to see if that played out. Yeah, and that's a possibility that can't be ruled out. So, it, yeah. It, it but this would be one of the things that someone like DeSantis would be worried about. And if DeSantis doesn't 
enter the race. One of the reasons could be that he would be so attacked by Trump, there would be no limits at all uh, in Trump's attacks on him. And and if he won, Trump wouldn't stop attacking him uh, then Mm, either. And he probably would claim that he had actually won the primary. So DeSantis would would go into the race potentially with half of the Republican Party either doubting that he won or angry at him for um, dethroning Trump. There are lots of elections for governor uh, mm. yesterday as well, and yeah. and they're sort of becoming more crucial to 2024. Absolutely. So why is that? Well, it's because in most states it's the governor who has ultimate responsibility for certifying the election results. In a lot of states, the Secretary of State also has a very significant role. Sometimes it's the final certification. Usually it's the governor who signs off on the final certification. The biggest one, from my point of view, the verdict is still out, which is Arizona. Mm. Uh, Curry Lake, I think, was the biggest and most prominent election denier in the race. She's someone who is very popular with Trump's base and really plays up that popularity. Um, She knows exactly how to push the buttons of, of the base. And she, at the moment, is trailing in that race, but... Arizona is a blue mirage state. Um, the you know the, the count gets redder as it goes on. She could well actually win that race, mm. and uh, she has said that she wouldn't have certified the twenty twenty election. And there's a possibility that yeah, she just wouldn't certify the twenty twenty four result. Because the uh, reason why it, it's crucial is because you know the Republican Party is now saying, well, it doesn't matter what the votes are the governor can just certify in a different direction. It, it, that's basically it, isn't it? Like that, that's uh, why uh, yeah. it becomes now, crucial. Now, and this this is yet to be put to the test legally mm. because no governor has refused to certify an election result. I don't think that a governor would just be able to say, no, nah, not doing that. There'd be so many legal challenges to that. But, of course, another thing that's going on at the moment is that the Supreme Court is hearing a case that could potentially give state legislators way more power over elections by removing the right to state judicial review. So this is a used to be a fringe legal theory, but apparently the Supreme Court is up for it, which essentially says state legislatures have unchallenged sovereignty over elections and state courts can't actually intervene to stop them from doing things. If that's the case, then it wouldn't just be governors and secretaries of state. It's potentially state legislators who would have all of the power over wow. uh, over like this. So um, that would be like so, that would be like the New South Wales government just yes. coming in, you know, at the federal election level and just saying, "We will." We you're, will... <laughs> you're not getting New South Wales's votes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just what happened? It happened actually when Queensland. Uh, yes. Put their own senator in, yeah. um, Joe. Joe, thus sparking yeah. the dismissal. Anyway, oh um, yes, Albert can we catch Hill. up on a, oh, a good memory? Can we catch yeah. up on finally, David, a couple of the key Senate races? So the House has gone, um, we yeah. can fairly safely. So are you, are you happy to call the House as, as having gone red? I do want to know that it hasn't actually been called yet. It will go red. Yeah, no, I know. Mm. But the fact that we're still talking about it, um, you know, twenty four hours after the polls started closing is in itself remarkable uh, that, yeah. that it's taken that long. But, yes, 
some of the most interesting uh, Senate races. John Fetterman beating Mehmet Oz. I mean, that was a surprise to many, including your colleague from the PEP podcast, Chaz, uh, who told me the night before the election that uh, he thought Fetterman was absolutely absolutely gone and that uh, the voters wouldn't be endorsing someone who had such clear problems with um, recovering from his stroke in the debate. That wasn't even all that close in the end. And uh, Mehmet Oz, who admittedly didn't help his cause by not living in Pennsylvania, among mm. other amusing moments during the campaign, that really was a big moment for Democrats, I guess, on election night. Yeah, and I think in the end that race wasn't really that much about Fetterman. It was about Democrat versus Republican or about Trump versus anti-Trump. Oz was so closely associated with Trump that for a lot of Democrats, it wouldn't have mattered if Fetterman had died as a result of that stroke. They still would have voted for him. Chaz was making the point that he, uh, you know, the, the stroke had really impeded Fetterman from campaigning. It mm. clearly was impeding him in a number of ways. Voters would have concerns about his physical fitness to serve. I always said that I didn't think they would have concerns about his physical fitness to serve, uh, that the, the race was a lot bigger than that um, uh, for them. So, yeah, um, if Fetterman hadn't had that stroke, I think he would have won it by a lot more. Uh, but in the end, the result wasn't that surprising to me. Mm. Mm. Do you think it'll come down to Georgia yet again? And who do you think will prevail there? I mean, Herschel Walker on comedy grounds really should be a US senator, but Raphael Warnock um, seemed to do a little bit better on the night, last time I checked anyway, uh, and there's a runoff in a month. Yeah, so he did slightly better on the night. First of all, so it... So well, well, sorry, why is Herschel Walker... I don't, I'm not aware of Oh, sorry, yeah, story. I'm being a bit inside baseball. So Herschel Walker... Uh, I'll, Dave, please take it away. He's, he's a Herschel man who Walker has interesting family former, values. Herschel Walker is a former college football star for the University of Georgia who led them to a national championship in 1980 and on lists of the greatest college football players of all time routinely comes near the top. He would be one of the most famous people in Georgia mm. and he's an African-American conservative. So in a year when Republicans generally did well in Georgia, you would expect him to win in a landslide given mm. this kind of profile. But first of all, he's got a uh, really kind of weird personal life with some very disturbing details in it about domestic violence. Oh. He once told ESPN about how he used to play Russian roulette with his friends. And he also stakes out some pretty extreme positions. He was the only Republican Senate candidate who, when Lindsey Graham said, hey, here's a great idea a few weeks before the election where abortion seems to be an issue that's hurting us, I'm going to propose a national abortion ban. Herschel Walker was the only Senate candidate who actually came out in favour of it. So he supports complete abortion ban, but then two women have come out and said they had relationships with Herschel Walker in which Herschel Walker paid for them to have abortions. So he was he was pretty damaged goods by the time that the election rolled around. Um, of course, it was a very, very close race. I mean, I was watching that all afternoon and the league kept changing. Uh, no one could get to, to 50%. So there'll be a runoff. In terms of the comedy value, 
I uh, was once shown by Chaz a clip of Herschel Walker on some talk show with some minister uh, making this devastating point against the theory of evolution. And I, I'd never thought about this before. He said, well, if people say that humans evolved from apes, why are there still apes? <laughs> yeah, Answer I think that. that's what you wanted to say. <laughs> I think that would yeah. really raise the tone of the debate. Yeah, yeah. So Herschel so, Walker, right? um, fingers crossed. Yeah, so that's the comedy value. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen in that election. It will be the decisive election in the Senate if Nevada and Arizona are split between Democrats and Republicans. Now, at the moment, both of those races are really unclear. Arizona is a blue mirage state. Nevada is a red mirage state. Currently, the Republican leads in Nevada. Currently, the Democrat leads in Arizona. Both of those results could potentially flip or neither of them could flip or one of them could flip. So if... But if a Democrat gets one and a Republican gets the other, then Georgia is the decisive race, which means it will become nationalised. Herschel Walker and his allies spent a quarter of a billion dollars in the Georgia race. <sighs> if it becomes the decisive race, then you can easily expect there to be half a billion dollars spent on it. Um, and, yeah, it will become a very, very high-stakes uh, contest I think it's quite hard to predict what will actually um, happen in in that race because, I mean, Warnock has uh, problems of his own. I think Warnock is slightly more popular than Herschel Walker, but on the other hand, there's going to be so much money flooding into this race. Mm. Then the other complicating factor is Trump. As I said, people are pleading with him not to get into the race until Georgia is decided, but is anyone going to stop him from getting into the race? And if it does have that if, if he is in the race as always that's going to motivate republicans but it's really going to motivate democrats yeah. and i i think that given that the you know the final decision is going to be made by the two percent of people who voted for the libertarian in georgia <laughs> i would humbly suggest the message that those people want to hear is vote republican so that we can be a check on joe biden what they don't want to hear is vote Republican so that we can launch Trump's awesome 2024 campaign. Yeah. Wow. David, it's been it's been delightful. Uh, I've yes. learned a lot, specifically why they're still apes. I think the main <laughs> Why are uh, they still apes? Today. It's a conundrum. Can we pay for a billboard? For that in Georgia during the race, right. Charles. I think that would be yeah, yeah, good. Uh, vote Walker. Why are they still apes? Thank you, David. My pleasure. David Smith, you can check out his incredibly long, if you like long chats like this, he and Chaz make the the, uh, the PEP podcast every week, which uh, goes on forever, but is, is delightful for uh, hardcore fans of American politics. Our gears from Road, we're part of the ACAST Credit Network. We'll catch you tomorrow. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.